0: Well, what happened was, is after two seasons of really good ratings, Neil and I um, realized that there may be an opportunity at NBC. And that was only because Comcast had bought NBC. You know, we said, I wonder, just as an act of synergy, if NBC would put our finale on, never, ever thinking that we were going to be a series uh, in its 11th season. (laughs)
1: Welcome, friends, to Exec Producer. I'm your host, Noah Pollock. Every episode of Exec Producer offers a deep dive into one of your favorite shows from the point of view of both the producer who dreamt it up and the executive who championed it. Where the idea came from, the hurdles they faced in selling it, and ultimately, how it made it to air and into popular culture. I've worked as an executive at four separate networks, and I've produced and overseen hundreds of hours of television. seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I hope to share some of that wisdom with you. So settle in, turn it up, and enjoy. And please also remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram at EP with NP. So with that, thank you again, and enjoy the show. All right, here we are. We're rolling. Uh, we are at the incredible offices of A. Smith and Company. Thank you, Arthur Smith, for hosting us here today. My, my pleasure. In the luxurious sound booth. Uh, hopefully, sounded this. This is great. where I do
2: my business. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And that gives away our other our other guest today, which is Matt Iceman, the host of American Ninja Warrior, the show that we're here to talk about. Wait wait, wait, right. At least American Ninja Warrior.
2: I, I'm contractually obligated to say it that way.
1: Sorry. And I, I'm contractually obligated not to try to, you know, even step on, on your toes. Also, I'm sorry. Doctor. Doctor, you know, yes. Doctor, doctor, Thank MD. You. Yeah. So I don't know if that's part of the introduction as well. But uh, this show, as I'm sure both of you gentlemen have discussed at length, is one of the most unlikely hits on television. And as television has evolved from just a spectacle, something that people would tune in at a specific time and then our network maybe self commercial time against it, this is a business and a worldwide global business. Uh, It's really remarkable what Ninja Warrior as a, you know, just Ninja Gyms, and just it's become a movement in, in a way that really I'd be hard pressed to find anything on television that has. And so obviously hats off to you. We're here to talk about you know, how we got here. So with that, I always start with the light bulb. And obviously knowing that this started in Japan and came over and had sort of a long path here, um, the light bulb of course didn't start with either of you, but I would love to hear from you, Arthur. Yeah. The first time you heard about the show, the yeah. first time it was sort of mentioned to you, what did you think? What were, you know, what were your impressions and wh- where do you go from there?
0: Well, you know, prior to starting my company, I, uh, I ran Fox Sportsnet for, for four years. And uh one of the associates of mine was running G4 by the guy, a guy by the name of Neil Tiles. Neil was in charge of the network. And Neil, you know, was a fledgling network. The network doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Um, but he was, you know, it was the one thing that was getting a rating on his network. And not not the not the American American Ninja Warrior, Sasuke, the Japanese show. He was dubbing it. He was um, you know, he actually played the Japanese with subtitles but it popped. It was like the one thing that was getting a number. And when I say a number, a very small number, but at least it was registering. So, um, and he, he experimented with something in the first season. He did a couple of American Ninja Warrior specials with another company. I think there were two or three specials or something like that. And he called me and he says, I want you to take a look at this. And, uh, and I, you know, I could see right away, um, the possibilities. And for me, you know, the obstacle course was a metaphor for life and it represented, you know, challenges that, you know, similar to people getting over challenges in their life, they were trying to get through it on the course. Uh, And there were some other things that, 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 that grabbed me right away. And I knew that it had the foundation of something really good. Never in my life did I anticipate being on season 11, which is coming up on NBC. I never anticipated being on NBC at all but um so that's we'll we'll talk about that i'm sure we'll get to that but so neil was the one who introduced me to it um bless him because uh he you know he's he's not a, you know obviously g4 doesn't exist and and neil um you know is 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 no longer within the comcast group but clearly i always give him credit for recognizing it and i really appreciated the phone call because without him we wouldn't be be involved and uh and, um, yeah, so we got together. We talked about what we would do with American Ninja Warrior. We talked about what our version would be. We talked about the things that we would lean into. And um, and it worked.
1: But you didn't see this as a next sport. I mean, I, I off mic, you mentioned when you were at Fox Sports, you got pitched the next sport a yeah. hundred times. And I'm her- sure you heard some pretty weird, wacky ideas with this, uh, where you just you're probably thinking, oh, this is a great gig i'm going to take the job and support yeah. a friend
0: yeah no it, it was kind of funny because um the one thing that uh, I, I should say the one thing that i did see right away is that it was incredibly compelling for some reason and i go why does this work and we you know started to break it down but it, when neil asked asked us to take over i said neil i said if this is a pilot i'm not doing it he goes no no it's a series i got oh. and then it's funny because i taught i remember matt miller who worked for us in development Mm -hmm. and i talked to him i said matt do you know about this sasuke shows my kid's into it this kid was like eight or nine years old i go oh okay so um and so it began but uh yeah i mean it's, it's just it's been a great ride and it's a labor of love and there's a lot of things baked into the dna as to why the show works and some things that we recognized at the very beginning that we would lean in. Well,
2: you're not giving yourself enough credit because it it wasn't baked into the DNA because for those who think, you know, the the show has gone worldwide and the show Sasuke is a three hour special that happens Mm -hmm. once or twice a year in Japan. And Arthur was the one who took it and then turned it into, uh, 10 episodes. And then eventually we're now doing 35 hours of primetime TV. And he recognized the storytelling, uh, the element of that. And I think that's from his sports background, the Olympic from from everything he's done every show, you know, he's always he's always the one who's like, what the, the story is what is compelling. And so when, when we talked about it was baked in, the, the original show was almost campy. Mm-hmm. And our show through the years and through the iterations and through I think Arthur had this vision of it really is what you said. These these people are overcoming obstacles on the course. That's so secondary to the obstacles they overcome in life. And it's that Olympic model of you tell these people stories and then you see them run. And it's that formula repeated for two hours. But it's such a compelling formula because in 90 seconds you figure out a way to give the viewer a reason to care about this person. And then you see this person who truly – these people who are truly everyday people – go out and have a chance to do something extraordinary. And I think that's what people at home relate to is, you know, I, the guy I sit next to in the booth is Akbar Bajbiamila. He's 6'6", 260, played in the NFL. And all of us watch the NFL. We love it, but Try as we might, we could never do that. But when you watch American Ninja Warrior, you see yourselves in these athletes. You see yourself in the mother uh, of five kids in Detroit or the person who's, you know, Joe Leiden who had stage four pancreatic cancer or somebody who's battling substance abuse like Steve Seaver or someone who's caring for uh, an ill loved one like Michael Stanger. You see yourselves in these everyday people and you want them to have a moment
1: that you know will brighten up their lives. Right, the best version of ourselves. Right? Yeah, right. I don't exactly see myself physically <laughs> in some of those people, but emotionally. Right. Just say, Matt, what what about you? I mean, for you, the first time you heard about the show, because obviously, predates you as well. Yeah. I mean, did you think, oh, this is another job? Yeah. Or, I- initially, I mean, you know, so I
2: knew about the Japanese show, and I, and when I when I got offered it, I was I was ecstatic because for me. I loved, you know, I grew up playing sports. I loved playing sports. I was doing a show called Sports Soup at the time, which was the sports version of the soup, you know, comedic look at, at sports. But to get to do something, because for me, one of the things I loved was having been an athlete. I, I, and I love the Olympics. And I love the idea. What, what, what's really compelling to me about the Olympics versus professional sports, while I love both, is that the Olympics, for, for most of these athletes, this is it. They're doing it for this moment. There isn't something greater than this. For most of them, there is no endorsement deal. There is nothing beyond it. They're gonna go on to either teach their sport and you know, lead a very modest life, but for this moment, this chance of glory. And so I was fascinated by the chance that these everyday people would have this moment. I think the light bulb moments for me came and again, courtesy of of, of Arthur. I remember our first season, we had a boot camp where we took the top 15 athletes who qualified in Venice and we were going to whittle it down to 10 to send to Japan. And we had a vision of it being somewhat competitive and, and these guys pitting them in teams, these three teams of five against each other. The end of the first day, Arthur calls us in after watching these ninjas cheer for each other, even the cheer for a competitor, even though it would mean them going home. And I was like, we have this wrong. These, these athletes are telling us what this show is, and it's unlike anything we've seen before in America, where it's, you know, winner, you know, second place is first loser. This was a show about succeeding, uh, not competing against someone else or not competing against the course. It was competing against yourself, trying to be the best version of yourself. And once we recognize that and, and we embrace that, that's what I think made this show so unique, so unlike anything on TV, and most people don't know this, but as we're heading into season eleven, we've had one winner. We had two people complete all four stages of Mount Midoriyama. What other show could could say? You know, if you imagine any other show going, sorry this year, yeah, after everything there's there, there is America doesn't have talent. Nobody has talent. But in this show, despite the fact that only two people have completed it, you would think it's a show of failure when you watch it. I'd argue there's no show that has more success because for so many of these people, the success is showing up. It's getting through an obstacle. And Adina Stanger, we were kind of referencing Michael Stanger. Here was a woman who, when we first met her, is in a wheelchair with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. We're not sure if she's going to live the next year. Cut to last season, she's on the course. She gets through one. She gets through one step on one obstacle, falls down, gets out, and goes, that was the biggest win of my life. And what person at home isn't tearing up seeing this woman who was told, you might not live, now competing on the most physically grueling course. Who cares if you had a buzzer? The fact that you showed up was the win. And I think that's one of the unique things about this show, is that you can watch it and see success in so many different ways. And in this society now, where I think so many people feel pressure to be the best or feel like a failure, it's a great show to
1: say, it's okay. Be your best. And that's the victory. One well, also I think going back right to two thousand ten or whenever you guys came onto this and when it started to really, really tick mm-hmm. up, it's all about mean, right? Television was certainly yes. that mean and yeah. we're gonna, you know, be these snarky judges and you know, we're gonna really, really rip people new ones all the time. And this show I don't know if anything mean has ever happened on this show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that was another thing with that. Cause I'm a comedian too. So there were times when there were falls where there might've
2: been a laugh or something. And it's like, that's not what this show is. We never demean anybody. We're celebrating. them, I and it's that part of there is no shame in, 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 in falling. It's not failing. And I think that was something that again, Arthur really tripped to early on was this show is aspirational. It's earnest and it's celebrating these people,
0: you know, coming from, um, you know, uh, sports and, uh, you know, I produced three Olympic games. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always, I was always an entertainment guy doing sports even when I was in sports. And the thing I loved doing most was telling stories. And, uh, you know, our first meeting when we, we were, we set up to do Ninja Warrior the first season, we got all the producers together and we said, you know, um, just like people care about bobsled every four years, we're going to make them care about this obstacle course. And that would, that, that was right from the very beginning. So, and, you know, Matt, Matt already said it, there are some unique things that, that, that um, separate Ninja from other shows. Like, you know, we don't have a winner or we have rarely have a winner. And um, it's the only sport where the athletes root for each other. It's the only sport where men and women compete on the same course. So I think those, those are really, you know, great positive messages. Um, and, it, and it's interesting what's, what's happened over the years. We've, we've seen, you know, early on, when we had a few hundred people applying, I remember when we hit like, like two or 3,000 people and we were high-fiving each other. And now, you know, we have 80,000 people try out for the show. So, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. I mean, 80,000 people, that's a, that's a small city. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and it's amazing too.
2: You know, we had one competitor, David Campbell, who had a backyard gym where people couldn't train on these obstacles because they didn't exist. And now we're probably within a three hour radius of anyone who's listening to this podcast. There's a gym or a backyard course or someone who can teach you, train you. We we see these people building these courses in their gyms. We see kids for their gifts asking, I want a salmon ladder in the backyard. And 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 it's amazing. I think it's also one of the few TV shows that, you know, rather than inspiring kids to watch more TV, inspires them to get active. And I think in this era where kids are glued to the screens, it's great to have a show where it's like, OK, watch the show now.
1: Go get active. Go get healthier. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I took my kids to the taping, right, they want to run up that wall. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. think you could see that wall and not at least try to run up it. Unless you're a host and you know you're going to pull an Achilles. And they, they've literally banned me from trying any yes. more obstacles. Yes. Uh, so well, let's talk to how we got here in 2019, where this show is a phenomena and a part of just so many people's living rooms and, and just part of the vernacular. It obviously didn't start that way. Mm-hmm. And so you got the call from your friend, yeah. Neil. Uh, you took the show on. At the time, it was G4. I don't even think it was Esquire yet, right? It was G4. So G4 then becomes Esquire. Yeah. Uh, and you're just going along. You're going along. At what point did NBC enter the picture?
0: Well, what happened was, is after two seasons of really good ratings, Neil and I... Um, realized that there may be an opportunity at NBC and that was only because Comcast had bought NBC so it it may have never happened had Comcast not bought NBC so you know as always you know I know this podcast is about the and you know anatomy of a hit show so there's a lot of things that happened Neil and I were friends from Fox Sports he gave me a call you know Comcast buys NBC and Neil and I were together and you know talking about the show and you know, we said, I wonder just as an act of synergy if NBC would put our finale on, never, ever thinking that we were going to be a series uh, in its 11th season, 35 hours. So um, so we uh, we approached NBC and um, bless Paul tlegdi Brandon Rigg, who was our key executive at the time, um, and they put it on. But even them never, ever thinking that it would be anything. As a matter of fact, that night of television was a great night in our company's history because Hell's Kitchen was on that night, which is another show that we do. And Hell's Kitchen was eight to 10 and Ninja was nine to 11. And um, Ninja finished second to Hell's at uh, at nine, but then one the to 10 o'clock time period. So that night we won every, every time period. And Paul that he wrote me an email, and he said, "Mr. Monday Night," because our company. <laughs> run. And I was like, "Great!" I was like, "And," um, but the other thing he he said right away is, "You know, we should think about doing more," and that was the beginning. Paul recognized it right away, and um, and so it was we we were off and running. But even then, it 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 was a, a sl- um it was a partial start because we were you know it was still a G four show, with airings on NBC. And I, I think in the in that in that season, uh after the you know the finale experiment, it was fourteen hours on G four and 10. we do
2: Sunday mm-hmm. half an episode on G four. Yeah. And then the next half of the episode would be Monday right. on NBC yeah. and you'd be previously on G four <laughs> and I know we we would just split it, it.
0: It didn't matter. It didn't because the show was was doing well and yeah. you know, the ratings on G four were uh, ratings typical of a cable network, a, a good show on a cable network, but there were it was a completely different audience. On NBC size wise, everything wise, makeup wise, because G4 was a, a guys' network, and um, and um, and so that first season was 14 hours and 10, and then the next season it flipped. It was like 14 hours on NBC and 10 on G4, uh, or 10 on Esquire because yeah. Esquire came into the picture, yeah. and and then uh, at a certain point NBC says we're we're taking it all, and uh, and that was it and uh, it's funny because when the show first began there it really it was an act of synergy one but what we realized and and what we tried to do is make a show for the family and because it was on G4 and because it was sports everyone was thinking oh it's a guy show now we know the show is not a guy show it's pretty much 50-50 uh, men and women it maybe may even be 50, slightly more women slightly, slightly more women it's yeah. maybe 52-48 but you know it's an even show but clearly, there's also one of those shows when, when and I can't remember the, the stat or uh, that um, that Nielsen's um, calls it. But there's a stat where um, involving how many people are in the room at, at, at um, watching the show together because people don't watch TV together anymore. So Ninja is the you, most family watched, the most family watched show. Yeah. There, there's there's all you know, it's anyhow. Um, so crazy. It's crazy, crazy how it began. And, um, you know, we're so, we're so grateful to, to the people who support Neil for, you know, introducing it to us, Paul for recognizing it, and, uh, and Matt Eisman for being there from yeah. the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, listen, the voice of, of Ninja um, um, has been remarkable. And uh, we were, Matt and I were trying to figure out how many people have been there since we started. And it's, right. it's, a, small, it's a small group. And right. there's Kristen Stabile, who's an executive producer and exec in charge of production. And Kent Weed, who's my partner, who is you know a master at, at uh, with ninja and is so clever and and you know with obstacles and the logistics Amazing. and and so creative and uh, and listen, there are a number of other people, but there's myself, Matt. Uh, Kristen and Kent, I think are, there's probably somebody else out there right. on the crew, so I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> but uh, but We're uh, the Fantastic Four is what we crown yeah, ourselves. You, you, you can say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that.
1: I'm, I'm supposed to be hyperbolic. It's a host job. Yeah, it's better than saying you're the Final Four. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. right. Uh, so was there anything that you did specifically to lean into the big family audience? I mean, as it turned more to NBC and away from, you know, G4 and Esquire. I mean, obviously the scope and the scale yeah. on a network budget is going yeah. to be bigger, but yeah. the storytelling,
0: say, no, we've got, we're, we're programming yeah. to eight-year-olds. Yeah, here, I mean, so. the storytelling was there on the G4 show, but we hit it harder. We definitely hit it harder. Yeah. And by the way, when we knew that the finale was going on NBC for that experiment that season, I remember looking at Kent and Jesus, I, I don't want to wake up to um, a, a, a bad rating. I was so nervous and I said, we've got to broaden the show out. And we, we did... You know go into the trenches and made sure that that finale had the storytelling and had the background pieces and the things that we thought were critical to broadening it out, and um it worked
1: when i heard a story originally i believe it was about fear factor where the note was take the fucks out of fear factor mm. because so many kids were watching the show right. and they didn't want to have so many beeps right. i heard a similar story recently about the cooking show on netflix nailed it mm. where they didn't make that for children mm. And they had a lot of f bombs in it, right. and then they took it out, and voila, kids loved it. Right. And so it was just interesting, you know, really little subtle things that you can do. Well, I, I I think that was also from the beginning. We
2: did treat it like a sport, and you know, in sport you 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 do take it seriously. And and the other thing we had was just having this this ninja, these group of ninjas who have always helped us figure out how best to do it. They 're not the people who curse they're not the people who, when they fall in, complain. They're the people who come out and say, "Shucks, you know what? I'm going to work harder and I 'll be back next time." And it is this this sense of and then they go to the sidelines and root for their friends, even though their their season is done and so a lot of it was, obviously you know we were cognizant of the fact that, that we had a show that had this broad appeal, but also these ninjas. Really, are the people they appear to be? Where they they lead this lifestyle, and what I love is I, so many of these ninjas have open gyms. And when you go there and you see a new person come in, in a lot of places there's a hierarchy in sports. There's hazing. When you're a rookie, you carry the equipment. You know, you you don't get to touch the the salmon ladder until you've proven it. Here, it's the total opposite. Where a new person comes in, and someone like Ryan Stratus, who's been doing it all ten L you now, well, presumably eleven seasons. He'll, he'll be back. He'll be back. He'll coach them and say, well, you know, we're so glad to have you out here and make you feel welcome. And you see people... They love this camaraderie in this sense of, I don't feel judged if I'm not as good as you. Instead, I feel inspired because I know you're gonna help motivate me. And I think it's just been amazing watching this community grow and seeing it, now that we do Ninja Junior, the kids' version, we had no idea initially how these kids would handle it, whether they would be competitive or petty as sometimes kids at, you know, from nine to 14 can be. It's the same spirit. It was the exact same spirit. Yeah, it was the same, same thing. thing and I think it's just this inherited DNA now with this sport where it is about camaraderie and support, and it really isn't this competitive thing. Even though you are seeing these people push themselves to their limits at the end of the day, they're cheering for one another, which, again, is so unique,
1: and particularly in competitive shows or reality TV. I love that. You guys have created a a decorum, you know, and a set of rules, right? I mean, I know Arthur, you're a big golfer, right? You're not allowed to talk on the golf course, right? And that comes from somewhere, right? You're not allowed to cheer like you would at a different sporting event. And here, you've set a, a standard, which is, Pretty incredible for kids have kids of my own and you go to some of these youth games right and it's yeah it's ugly yeah. Yeah. right People right. says they want to be positive for the kids but but they aren't really so you know hats off to to the both of you so you mentioned ninja junior mm-hmm. uh you know at a certain point you're on nbc you're mm-hmm. a hit you know you started off not thinking that this thing was going to become an, the next sport or become this phenomena at a certain mm-hmm. point it is right you were smart enough to ask for the synergy and the corporate stuff with nbc you know, you're here. When do you start thinking spin-offs? You know, when are you comfortable enough to start <laughs> thinking, oh, we should be coming up with other versions of, of this? This is still our core thing, but there's eight, nine, yeah. 10, however many different ways we can take this. Well,
0: Ninja Junior, you know, it kind of started in a, in a, in a funny way also. Um, you know, we, we knew kids were watching. We could see by the ratings that kids were watching. But then we started to get, on a regular basis, letters from kids. Handwritten letters with pictures of them standing in door frames, you know, mimicking, uh, you know, the spider uh, spider climb. And um, and they were saying, when are you going to do a show for us? And I saved them because I, 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 you know, they're adorable. These letters uh, when it's, and when a kid sits down to write you a letter in today's world. Right. And it's uh, you and Santa. Yeah. And it's and it was clearly kids writing. It wasn't like a parent writing it for their kids. And, you know, uh, and we'd hear it. We'd hear it, you know, uh, from from kids. We'd see the letters um, and, and phone, phone calls to our office from eight-year-olds. It was weird. <laughs> and, um, and this started a long time ago. This started probably after the third or fourth season. Yeah. However, Comcast didn't have a kids' network that... Um, they didn't have a kids' network that would spend the money to to do this. So if you think of, if you think about the uh, you know across the Comcast lineup, there wasn't anyone there, and um, and it was so funny because people would come into my come into my office and uh, and say, "Do you, you ever think of doing a Ninja Junior?" No, 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 no. <laughs> that's a great idea. I know, it's so funny. <laughs> and up until last year, and I was like so tired of hearing this <laughs> this pitch of something so obvious um, but nonetheless um we uh, we didn't you know we didn't have a place for it so when universal kids uh came into play and uh they had some success with uh, the first the first big show they did was top chef jr we said now is the time and um and so we 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 met with them and uh you know it, it was an amazing you know they 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 bought the show before we pitched it because they clearly saw it and they clearly heard from you know, the, you know, the research people, what, you know, what it could be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience. And yeah, it it felt so good to give it to the kids this year. Beyond far.
2: expectations. Again, you know, cause we didn't know we, you know, you, the, the reality is we have, p- people don't understand when we create these courses and Arthur and Kent and, and the, our, our, our team of obstacle designers, they work year round to develop these obstacles, but it's not until the night of that. We actually see the entire course assembled and these people don't get a practice They only get one shot. So we have no idea on a given night how someone's going to do. Now, amplify that with kids. where we know some of these kids have been training and going to gyms, but we don't know how they're going to react to being in front of thousands of people at a taping and being on camera, if they're all going to fall, if they're going to tank, how they're going to handle it emotionally. So we're out there on the first day going, please, let this not be a train wreck. And I think in the first race, we saw both kids hit the buzzer and fly through the course, and we all kind of look at each other like, okay, it's on.
1: Or we made this too easy. It, it, well,
2: it wasn't. It, it really was that these kids are just, it's unbelievable the resilience they have, and, the, you know, so much of Ninja's strength to weight, and these kids have that in spades, and it was just great to see them, I Boy, think. Boys and girls. Yeah, yeah, to see, it was like horses that have been strained to be let out, and they're like, finally, we get to show what we can do.
0: The other, the other thing about Ninja Junior, which we try to do, is to not treat the kids like kids. You know what I mean? So... You know, they were going to get called by the voice of Ninja. The voice of Ninja Warrior was going to be the play-by-play man. The course was going to look like the course. um, Proportionally, I think it's even harder. Yeah. I mean, that
2: warped wall for a four-foot-tall little girl going up a wall that is ultimately 13 feet. It's amazing when you see someone like Peyton Myler, this little girl, go up it. And, you know, what's great, too, is, again— you see this four foot tall girl going against a guy who's five four, and like my nie- my my mom my my mom will watch with her granddaughter my my six year old niece, and the my niece will go that's not fair that boy's much bigger and the girl wins, and you just think of what a message it is for these kids to see that and to see you know size isn't always the biggest factor and and that girls can do just as well as the boys can and I think at a time. Right now, it's it's such a such a positive message for all these things.
0: We have no idea yeah. what's going to happen. We get we get surprised all the time. We get surprised all the time. And one of the great things about about Ninja over the years is the walk-ons. You know, we still allow for a certain amount of walk-ons in every location, and we have been shocked and Ugh. surprised over the years. And some of the greatest moments are from the from the person who has slept out there two weeks before, in a tent, in a long line to get his shot on the course. And, you know, we will always make room for the walk-ons. Yeah. And, um, you know, listen, there's a lot of people applying for the show. Uh, we go through the thousands and thousands of submissions and, and you know, certain people we invite and, and tell them they got a spot. And then we say, if you want to walk on, you, you walk on. And one of the, you know, there are certain signature moments of the show, you know. Casey Catanzaro, the first woman to conquer um, yeah, you know, um, the Warped wall. wall and the city um, finals. Yeah. I almost said Mount Olympus because I'm in <laughs> titan, titan games land. Okay. It's cause he thinks I look like the rock. He gets confused a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, Casey's is probably one of the biggest moments, if not the biggest moment because what it did for, um, you know, women and, and, and increasing women's participation in Ninja. But another big moment is Kevin Bull. Yeah. Kevin Bull, um, was a walk-on, and there had been an obstacle. You know what the name of it was. Cannonball Alley. Cannonball Alley. In and, Venice, yeah. And nobody could figure figure this out. Zero describe, for 13. Describe, describe Cannonball
2: So it's just these, it's three, imagine almost like cherry balls like you'd, you'd play four square with, but they're solid. So, and this was obstacle, I believe it was obstacle eight in the course out of out of ten. So at this point, you're already fatigued. You've just come off the salmon ladder, and everyone's trying to grip these balls, and it's it's this unbelievable you have to use this fingertip strength that you just don't have. So 13 of our best have made it there and fallen and Kevin Bull goes through now this guy it's unbelievable this guy was a decathlete in high school and college now he's a stock trader um, but he has alopecia totalis so he has no hair on his body and one of the things he talked about was you know whenever you see someone on TV or film with alopecia they're the bad guy and he wanted to be out there to show you can be the hero too and so all of a sudden on cannonball alley there are only three balls of, of varying sizes no one has gotten through it he then, on the second ball, instead of using his hands, puts his legs on it, and then immediately just does a backflip and lands it. And we're all stunned. This is the first guy to get through it, this a walk, walk-on. A,
0: a walk-on. Yeah. A walk-on. And, uh, you know, it was unbelievable. What, what was amazing, and I always remember this shot, I could see this shot as clear as day, and I'm not talking about, you know, when he completed it and he was upside down doing it, but it was the reaction shot of the other ninjas on the sidelines going absolutely crazy yeah. going absolutely crazy, which speaks to the camaraderie of yeah. the sport. And, uh, that, that was as memorable as memorable as him completing the obstacle. Yeah. And Kevin's gone on to be one of the, one of the star ninjas. And, and, uh, but you know, such a great moment for you know a walk on. And, um, uh,
1: well, and showing everyone that, you know, thinking outside the box, right? Yeah. It's, it's, but it is. It is used, truly. They're really so good.
2: resourceful, the ninjas, and they'll come up with things. You know, we think of, we think we've <laughs> considered every permutation, every way you can attack an obstacle, and these ninjas will come up with something new. And that's what makes it fun, is getting to see their creativity, the way
0: they improvise, adapt, and overcome in the moment. And they've gotten so good. So good. So good. It's funny, you know, the, the old, you know, the show is rerunning everywhere, yeah. and the old shows show up all the time, and and you look at the courses and people couldn't get up the warped wall yeah the now, warped wall was one of the most challenging yeah. obstacles last year we we introduced the mega wall which is 18 feet, 18 feet. <laughs> just to see um who had the nerve to go uh, to go after it now you have a choice you can go over for the uh 14 and a half foot warped wall or you can go for the eighteen foot uh, um, mega wall. The mega wall will be back next year for sure. Ten grand. Ten grand. On grand line. If you, One if shot. Complete it.
1: Right. It's almost like open source, right? Yeah. we can all help each other, right? right? Or yeah. Right. It also makes me think, probably because of your Olympic background. Mm-hmm. People didn't used to high jump that way, right? right? Until Fosbury right. came that's around. Right. That's right. right. Now, that's right. Well, you really, you know. You and so that's one of the that was one of the points, though. We learned in boot
2: camp too. That was another thing we saw was that ninjas get better together. Mm-hmm. And we saw them training. To, I, I feel like David Attenborough. Look at them learning together. But we would watch them. There was an obstacle we had: the floating doors. Yeah. Nobody could get through it through the first four days, and then I don't know if it was David Campbell got through it. And once he did. Within 30 minutes, he told everybody, you know, you got to use your pinch or grip on your feet. Within 30 right. minutes, he cracked the code. every other ninja yeah. got through it. Yeah. But he shared it with them. And you saw that where someone would figure out one element of it, someone else would figure out another element of it. And you see them getting better together. And that's what I think has happened with this explosion of gyms is, and we now have these National Ninja Leagues and the uh, Ultimate Ninja Leagues, where people are training year-round together. And you see them sharing techniques and, and innovating together. So they are really, the growth of the sport has been actually exponential as they get better
0: together. It was interesting. Uh, you know, we changed the age limit to 19 oh. last, last year and we're going to talk about the kid in a second. Yeah. Who's, who's a superstar, but you know, years, but be- the, the years before that, I, we always had these amazing 21 year olds who would show up and, and, and like, not, they didn't come from nowhere, but, be, but, but for us, they were new stars to the sport. It was always fresh because we'd always have these 21 year olds because they were watching the show for five or six years and training, for that moment, you could be a fan of the show and you can actually right. get on it. Last year we lowered the age limit because we, there was such a, there's so much activity out there. We wanted to open it up, so we lowered it to 19 and the kid, talk about the
2: kid. Matisse he was his kid. And so we, we, we did, uh, we were doing Ninja versus Ninja. We did a college madness special where for the first time, even Ninja versus Ninja was 21 and older. But for the first time we did a college madness special where we allowed kids uh, 19 and older to compete. And Matisse Sawadi comes out there, and I think he goes to University of Houston, and just is explosive. Now he'd been training at one of the big gyms in Houston with Sam San Iron Sports, and so we'd heard rumors of how good he was. Yeah. But he just was electrifying, and that was when we we realized, okay, maybe we lower the age group and bring this yeah. kid in, and he comes out and turns out to be one of our top performers, going as fast as anyone, as confident as anyone. And to me, it really reminds me of the early days of MMA. So the first the first or uh, UFC was was at McNichols Arena in Denver, and it was it was almost comical, where it was you know the boxer versus judo, and I think Hoist Gracie won with jujitsu, but it was it was people in one sport, and you've seen this evolution where then people started cross training and now we've seen people who've grown up their entire lives training mixed martial arts where they train all the disciplines that's what we've seen in ninja warrior initially it was gymnasts or rock climbers or parkour experts tracers as they're called it who then learned other disciplines. But now these young kids have just grown up going to ninja gyms. And so when they're on the course, these obstacles are like a, a second home to them. So they're really, we're seeing this next generation of ninja. That's just going to take this sport to the next level.
1: When well, people still talk about the four major sports here. Right. But I don't know how much longer we can really refer to, you know, to those four as the four major, mm-hmm. when you talk about Ninja warrior yep. and talk about UFC and the growth of soccer. I mean, you take things as an absolute, and then those absolutes change. And, and it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. That One of the are great of
2: things, too, about Ninja Warrior is so many of the other sports, again, like football, there are certain requirements you see with just you know, raw, raw size or strength. And with Ninja, for so many of these people who are phenomenal athletes, a lot of them never played an organized sport growing up. They just didn't fit in or they didn't like them. And then they find this outlet for their athletic ability or gymnasts who now find this new thing. It's a home for people who otherwise might not have an athletic home. And you get to see these people. And again, what's great is because a lot of them are, and I'm using air quotes here, ordinary looking people who just happen to be exceptional athletes. You just wouldn't know it looking at them. And that's what I think is why, again, it's so relatable because it's not the six foot six, 260 pound guy sitting next to me. It's someone who's, you know, Casey Kenzar was five feet tall, 95 pounds.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing with Casey, when, when Casey did it, not only she was she the first female, she was also the smallest person to ever do it. I mean, it wasn't even, it was, it was a question of, can somebody that small take on a warped wall? Yeah. But her technique was so perfect that she, that she made it happen. It's interesting that, you know, what we've, we've had the great joy of, of watching Ninja become part of pop culture. And uh, it's, you know, we've been parody, uh, parody, parody (laughs) on Saturday
2: Night Live. And for the record, Beck Bennett did a lousy Matt Eisman. I love Beck Bennett, (laughs) but he didn't even try.
0: (laughs) So, you know, there can only be one. Yeah. yeah, And so it's great. I mean, you know, Helen Mirren talks about Ninja Warrior. Um, So it's, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Sarah Silverman, uh, Kimmel's had it in his monologue and, you know, it's been, it's been so great. It was so funny the, the other day I, and every so often I, like we can't keep track of it. Like it's, it was in a Kardashian episode right. where they were talking about, I don't know how Ninja Warrior came up and, you know, and, and, and even last night my wife got come, she says, come here. I'm watching the blacklist. And the, she's watching it on the DVR and she goes, she, you know, she backs it up and there's a Ninja Warrior mention in the middle of the show. Cause there's a bunch of young researchers and they go, we got to go watch Ninja Warrior in 20 minutes. <laughs> And I was like, and then, and then last week somebody there was an episode of Chicago Fire, yeah, and 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 there was a Ninja Warrior mention in, it. and so and you get paid a dollar a mention, is that? Correct? Oh, I wish Ninja Warrior, Ninja yes. Warrior, I, Ninja I wish. Warrior. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Well,
1: you've created something new, right? That we should talk about as well. That is probably a cousin in Ninja Warrior, and and. Early returns. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a it's a high bar, but early returns are really huge for the Titan Games.
2: People don't understand how hard it is. I think to launch a show, and again with Ninja, you know, we did have the ramp up period on G four where we we could take our lumps, and and by the time we got to NBC, we really understood the show and understood our competitors. So for what they did with Titan Games and and the the uh I keep liking the big bald guy whatever oh, the rock man. having him on there. DJ DJ I, uh, DJ it's been amazing but again I think that's a testament to what you know Arthur does so well is to understand the the importance of the storytelling which I think just can never be underestimated you got to have a reason to care for these athletes and that's something that i think he's always done you know from the beginnings in in his career with the cbc and he's under and that's the thing he always hammers to us is we gotta understand you know tell us why we care about this character so then we can watch them do something amazing
1: i'm curious about titan Mm -hmm. and the process for getting that to air versus ninja yeah right i mean and where we are in this climate today and unscripted and in television you have I mean, arguably the most famous man on earth, mm-hmm. you know, behind, behind mm-hmm. Titan games, yeah. you certainly didn't win Ninja Warrior. It went yeah. through more. I would Thank say, you, Nella. No. So initially, initially. I agree. I love the rock. Yeah. The beginning, you know, before you, before It's just your a very about. funny yeah. gesture. He was certainly
2: not the most famous person to me.
1: <laughs> I was pointing. As a uh, comedian, you know, I enjoyed it Pointing off in the distance. <laughs> very yeah. subtle. Second most famous. But, uh, but you know, Ninja had to do it with, without any of that. Yeah. And I guess my question is, would, if Ninja Warrior were to come to the market today, mm. Would you need The Rock to sell that show, or do you think it sells on its own merits in the climate that we're in?
0: Um, you know, um, hard to say. Hard to say. Uh, I, I mean, I would hope that, you know, a network would take a gamble on a high-concept high concept show, which was what Ninja Warrior was initially. And, and
1: it had foreign success, so that it, would have helped it, it as It well. did,
0: it did, but it wasn't, it wasn't broad, you know, it wasn't broad success. You know, it was a little Japanese show. It wasn't a show that was killing it in Japan. So uh, in fact, I mean, it went off the air. for yes, a few it went off years, the which air. is why we had to expand. You know, and by the way, our Japanese partners are really happy that we came along yeah. because you know the format that is now on in UK and Germany and Australia is our is our format. It's our show. It's modeled after our show, not after the the original show. So they they are thrilled with us. Yeah. So so, but listen, there wouldn't be uh, a Titan Games had there not been an American Ninja Warrior because what American Ninja Warrior proved to uh, a lot of people. Was that sports entertainment can be broad based and can work in prime time because before that, immediately anybody's reaction to a something that was had a sports motif to it is that it couldn't work in prime time and it was going to be a guy show. And so, um, Ninja, uh, and um, uh, Ninja is the is is a big reason why there's a Titan games, and um, you know, we. Our good friends at NBC, who we've had this great collaboration with Ninja over the years, you know, we just started talking about what was the next great sports athletic competition. And we didn't want to do Ninja. We want to be very, very far away. Other people are trying to copy us. We know about those people. We know about those shows. and uh, But we certainly weren't going to do it, you know. And we had to come up with something different. And the Ninja athlete is very different than the Titan Games athlete. And the mission on Ninja is very different than than, than Titan Games. People will say, it's oh, it's very similar it's similar in the sense that they're both sports entertainment and they both have a lot of story into it, but that's where it stops. And uh, yeah, you can compare, you can compare Dwayne and Matt. You can keep doing that. So, um, you can make the comparison. Nobody's saying it's accurate. (laughs) No, but, but the
2: the thing you do well with Titan though too, is again, you still find people who are relatable. Now they have exceptional dedication and they tend to be, you know, a, a little bit more on, on one end of the, uh, of the bell curve in terms of athletic excellence yeah. than, than some of our athletes. But you find these people who, they're not professional athletes. These are just dedicated people. And again, when you're watching at home, there's a part of you that feels, that's that, that I think is really what makes these shows accessible and successful. And the reason families watch them is that it's like, hey, any one of those people could
1: be one of us. Ordinary
0: people doing extraordinary yeah. things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, in all these conversations, and certainly in this one, we're focusing on all these great successes. This is this is a success, and you have had multiple shows that have reached this pinnacle, which is obviously a testament to your great career. Matt, you've been involved in some great things in your career, and uh, television and non-television. You were yeah. you were a doctor, yeah. and it's incredible. As my dad points out, technically
2: you're still a you're doctor. You're still a champ. doctor, right? Yeah.
1: Okay, <laughs> if you're, as long as you're paying into those boards every yeah, year. Right. But you know, I'd love um, and I think for our audience to hear uh, maybe not specifically about any one show, but you know, it's we talk about the lessons of the success here. Are there any words of wisdom you can impart from any of your failures or things that maybe weren't quite as successful, the one that got, the, got away, the one that you really believed in and that didn't, didn't quite make it, stuff like that come to mind, or has everything just been a success? No, not everything
0: has been a success, um, that's for sure, but I can't, I can't think of anything. I mean, To me, any time we set out to do a project, um, I always say the three things that are critical, and they're kind of obvious. But for some reason, it doesn't happen on, on a lot on on all projects, and that's you know casting format execution, and you need all three. And I've seen great casting be, you know, uh, taken down by the format, and I've seen a great a great format with not so great casting. And then you also have to have the the ability to execute it in a way. It's a it's very much an execution business. I don't think the unscripted world gets enough credit for how how important it is to have the right people producing your show. So um, those are the things I think about. The other thing that I always think about is um, how people watch TV and how that's changed over the years. And I think one of the wonderful things about Ninja is that it's a very easy program to uh, jump into um, even in the middle of the show, even at the end of the show. And it is the type of thing that goes viral as we've had a number of Ninja moments go viral. And and also, you know, every ninja run is a show within itself. You could be very satisfied seeing the package, the story about them, the run, the result, the interview. You're good. You see it on Facebook.
2: Those things go viral the next day
1: when they release it. Yeah, Yeah. certainly did with Casey. Yeah.
0: So so I'm uh, one of the things that I'm always thinking about in terms of our development is, you know, how do people watch television? How do they consume it or how do they consume content and how do we make it right for today's audience? And it's an evolving thing, and that's what we're always thinking about. So I combine my three principles with with you know how people are watching TV. Um, That's still it. That's really that's it (laughs) for me at least.
2: Well, I come to it from a much different perspective because Arthur is someone who creates shows and creates opportunities. Now, as as talent, we only get to work when people give us the opportunity, which often is not nearly as often as most of us would like. And so from a talent point of view, I think, I think the advice I always give people is, you know, and I, I learned this from standup. I've been doing it for 20 years and people are like, what's the secret to stand-up? There There is no secret. You just have to do it and you have to do it a million times. And the more you do it, the better you get. But I think the other advice uh, that, that I've adhered to in my career and I think that has served me well is say yes to everything. Because in not in a way that that you never know where your opportunity is going to come from, and you never know whether it's a podcast whether someone's gonna hear you on this or whether it's going to you know some some small event or what whatever it is or just getting off nothing's gonna to happen to you sitting on the couch so many people think that their talent is so remarkable people are going to discover them, but Arthur will be the first to tell you I'm sure there are a million talented people in this town, and the They're not going to go knocking down your door to find you. They're going to go look for the people who are out there who are doing things, who are putting themselves in front of people to be seen. So, you know, embracing every opportunity you're given. And when you do it, give it everything you have. And when I'm doing stand-up, if there are 12 people in the crowd, I'm performing like it's 2,000. And when I'm doing a show, you know, I realize how lucky – I am to have that opportunity, so I'm going to do everything in my power, and that's not just hosting the show. That's going to be, how can I promote this show? How can I go out there and be an ambassador for the show? How can I relate to the competitors? How can I make sure that I'm always a value add? Because you realize, you know, anyone who thinks they're irreplaceable is (laughs) going to find out you're not. So do everything you can to be someone people want to work with and be someone who adds a value and who people say who they see that this is, you you're, You really are committed to this project. And that's something I think that a lot of people don't get, that there's this feeling of either being entitled or that, hey, once I'm the star, people should cater to me instead of saying, you're, you have an opportunity here and you better work your ass off to make sure this opportunity goes, because we've all seen once something goes away, people have a very short memory and... When you're off the air, you can be forgotten very quickly. Uh, so when you have an opportunity, you embrace it because you don't know it could be your last, and so
1: you make the most of it. Well, and last line of questioning. It's uh,
2: okay. But
1: uh, <laughs> one question I always ask is advice you'd give to your 25 year old self, and I think we've sort of touched yeah. on it a bit here. But oh ma- well, I was well, a doctor me, when I was up. Well, you were probably a med student and even. My you probably advice, even a doctor is yet.
2: is I was I was in med school at 25, and I think. Uh, the, the advice I would have is, is, it's the advice I got from my dad when I told him I was leaving medicine to go do stand-up comedy. It's life is short, do what makes you happy. And easier said than done, but, but I think Arthur would agree, when, when we get to do our shows, that's not work. Mm-hmm. It is so much fun. The work is everything about getting that job. That's right. And so do, if you find something that you're passionate about, throw your, throw your heart into it and you will make a living. You may, you may not be making $20 million a year, but if you really love something, that passion will shine through. And if you commit to it, I think that'll carry you. So, you know, really embrace that life is short; do it makes you happy. What about for you, Arthur?
0: Um, Boy, there's a lot of things I would say to myself. <laughs> I don't know where to start.
2: Keep it family friendly, aren't uh, I guess,
0: there? I guess, I guess the one thing, and Ninja's an example of it, is do quality work because you don't know where the next hit is coming from. And, you know, I had to be a little convinced about doing American Ninja Warrior. I must tell you, well, it wasn't American Ninja Warrior then. It was, you know, this, this American version of Sasuke. And it was Neil and Matt Miller and Matt Miller's son, and a bunch of people who, who work for us saying, yeah, this could be something. I liked it, but, and the fact that it wasn't a pilot, it had to be a series. <laughs> um, but, you know, you never know where the next hit is coming from. And we, we, we've seen that. And one of the things that we pride ourselves in our company is that every show is important. And we're, you know, we're a company of quality. And, and people know us for the sports entertainment stuff. But, you know, we're the producers of Paradise Hotel and The Swan and Hell's Kitchen and Kitchen Nightmares and Trading Spaces and Pros versus Joes. I'm not, I'm not going to go through them all. The <laughs> you couldn't are,
2: go through them all. We don't have the time. <laughs> the, the point shows you
0: is, time. is you never know. You know, Unsung, which is a show that's won um, six M- NAACP awards, was also a little show that began. And we've done well over 100 episodes. So you never really know. So just do Hell's Kitchen. We didn't know. Um, we're going to we just we're going to season 19. So to me, it's, it's do quality work, put your heart and soul into it, and you may have a hit.
1: Well, I love it. I can't thank you both enough, not just for this interview, but for the joy you bring my family and no. my children. <laughs> That's so nice. And uh, we loved coming to the, you know, to the taping a couple years back. And if you would maybe do one during the day at some point. Ah, the then... kids do. We taped during the day with the kids. Okay, so
2: thank that you. That makes it a little easier. Wow.
1: It yeah. is very late at night. It is very That's, late. It, look, Red Bull, Red Bull should, I, I should have stock at Red Bull. <laughs> well, thank you. It's here to stay. And uh, yeah, just incredible spending this time with you both. Thanks, thank you. Tom. So there you have it. The true story of American Ninja Warrior. Thanks to Greg Mercer for creating our show art and to Chris Carmichael for composing our music and for all things technical. You can find their respective work at GregoryMercer.com and ChristopherCarmichael.com. Thank you as well to my guests, Arthur Smith and Matt Eisman and to my wonderful family for all of their help and support. Also, please do subscribe to Exec Producer wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Instagram at EP with NP. And since collaboration is at the heart of this project, I'd love to hear from you, the listeners. Please reach out with what you liked, what you didn't like, and any ideas for future episodes. So thank you again for listening, and please come back next time. I'm your host, Noah Pollock. Choose kind.